My message today is entitled, We Agree with the Plan. Amen. Two weeks ago, we, we talked about, we fight for the plan. Yes. And then one week ago, we talked about, we watch for the plan. And uh, for those of you that maybe weren't here, or maybe you've forgotten, or maybe whatever, I don't know, let me just tell you the three simple things of the first week. You need a higher anointing. There's lots that were shared by Pastor Nancy, and I commented on her, on her message. But you need a higher anointing than your own to fulfill the plan of God. That's how God did it. Otherwise, people don't need submission. They don't need connection. They don't need divine association. If you can do it on your own, then, then you're just a lone ranger. And then you get all the credit. And God don't want anybody to get all the credit. That's what makes pride. You need somebody else. And number two, it's your job to protect that somebody else. It's not the person's job. It's not her job to protect me, her relationship with me. It's my job to watch over my relationship with her. Elijah just said, what do you, what do you want from me? Do whatever. I don't care. And then that's at the very beginning. And at the very end, like bookends, he says, don't come with me. Just stay here. I'm not leaving. As I so lives and as the Lord lives, I will never leave thee. Next place. Just leave. Just leave me alone. Bookends. From the time he threw the cloak on him with the yoke of oxen, he said, what are you talking to me for? I don't, I don't want you. To right to the very end, he says, I don't need you. That tells me, shows me that Elijah and Elisha, Elijah, if he did it at the beginning and the end, he was doing it all the way through. Who are you? I don't need you. What's your name again? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't coddling. It wasn't cozy. And it was menial duties. Because if you read the Bible, it says that Elisha poured water on the hands of Elijah. That means he cooked his food. That means he cleaned the tent site. That means he made him meals. That means he washed his clothes. It was menial ministry of helps. Yet he's anointed to be the next prophet. Which shows me that God's system is humility. You've got to learn to just do what is necessary humbly and faithfully and not quit, not be in a rush. And if you'll do that, God will promote. But he had to protect his relationship with Elijah, not the other way around. It's amazing to me, Jenny. I say that a thousand times. People still don't understand it. People don't get it. And then when there's a problem and when I have to correct somebody that they don't like, all of a sudden they think that I have to run after them. And I say, but I've only preached 900 times. It's your job to protect. But it's amazing how people forget things when things go south a little bit because they, they, they need to be tweaked. Anyway, and the third thing is you need the impartation. You, you need a higher office. You need to protect that relationship and you need the impartation from that office. So we're fighting for that relationship. We're fighting for the plan that God has with promise of life. You've got to first get that down. The second week, last week, the 26th of September, we talked about watching for the plan. And again, there were three main points. One is that like, like Simeon and Anna, you need to pick certain things up yourself. It can't just come by preaching. If it only comes by preaching, that's like the rain coming down in Noah's flood. It'll do a certain amount, praise God. But you've got to have rain coming up from out of the ground, which is what happened in Noah's flood. Rain, water came up, water came down. You've got to be picking things up out of your own spirit. God's got to be speaking to you because you're a person of prayer and you're waiting on God. Then the preaching, which is the water coming down, will make more sense. Then I won't have to convince you as much because you'll already have picked it up in your own spirit. So one, you've got to pick things up in the spirit by, by spending time in prayer like Anna and Simeon did for, 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 uh, for Jesus. And then you got to pray for the utterances. That's the water coming up. Pick things up yourself. Now the water coming down is pray for those utterances. And I gave you scripture for all this. Because if those utterances don't come by the Holy Ghost and don't land right, then it can't add meat to the bone of what you're already picking up in your own spirit. 
And then the, the, the second part to that is not just pray for the utterances that you'll get it, but pray the Epiphas prayer in Colossians 4.12 for the congregation that they'll get it. Because you might be doing well, but there's probably 50 other people that aren't. And your prayer can help those utterances land right in them. Praise God. And the last thing was, once we've got, once we see this by the instruction of the Spirit inside of us and the preached Word, both areas coming together, and the vision is clear, and we know our place, and we know our part, and we know what we're supposed to do, then it's very important, according to Isaiah 62, 6 and 7, we stand on a wall, and we say, Father, we are watching for this vision to come to pass. And we will, if you remember that scripture I read to you last Sunday, it was powerful. You need to meditate and memorize that scripture in Isaiah 62. We will not be silent. We will raise our voice night and day. We will remind you continually of your promises and of the vision that you have set. Now, for that was Jerusalem. For us, it's promise of God. Until you fulfill it. Remember Jenny preached Wednesday night, God needs a man. God needs a man to work. God needs the prayers and the callings and the voice and the authority and the dominion of a man in this realm to agree with him, to say things so that he can now make that happen. But we got to stand on a wall and call for these things. These are, these are in spirit-inspired messages. They're not just something I pulled out of a hat. The Lord gave me four statements. He said, I want you to start it uh, on the 19th, and I want you to do it for four weeks in a row. And he said, call the first one. He told me. I mean, I, it's not, I'm not making this up. He said, we fight for the plan. Tell them to fight for the plan. And then tell them to watch for the plan. And then tell them to agree with the plan. And then next week, I'll, you'll have to show up next week, but after the next week, there's one more with the plan in it. Praise God. We're agreeing with the plan. Yes. So I want you to read with me Job chapter 22 and verse 21. Job chapter 22. And while you're doing that, Jennifer, would you just stand up for a second, please? Just stand up, woman. Come on. You're hindering the anointing. Stand up. Turn around. Isn't she so beautiful? Oh, my God. Okay, you can sit down. <laughs> yep, I get to go home with that. Praise God. And I know all of you are thinking the same thing about your wives. Amen. Job twenty two twenty one. Acquaint now, th now thyself with him and be at peace. Therefore good shall come unto thee. Now I want to read that to you from the Amplified Classic. And it says, acquaint now yourself with him. Agree with God. And show yourself to be conformed to his will. In other words, don't argue. And be at peace. By that you will prosper and great good shall come to you. Amen. Years ago, Pastor Nancy preached a message entitled, Agree with God. And that stuck with me. I didn't know how important it would be for my future, but she quoted this scripture. In fact, she did a whole series on it at one point. And she, I think it was a camp meeting, and she just brought a different side of it every night, if I remember correctly, years ago. And, I, and, I, and that never left me. That's why it's important that, you know, some messages, you know, you have to write notes. You won't remember unless you look back. But some messages are so, are so deep, so spirit-inspired that you remember it for the rest of your life. Not all sermons are like that, but some, some messages, especially when it comes to your life, you'll remember them for a long time. And that one I remember, just agree with God because I am, an, I am, a, I am a, an, a, a mental person. I am just like some of you. I'm, I'm a detailed person. I like to, I'm categorical. I like to put everything in its own box. Even when I eat, I don't want anything touching each other. <laughs> The peas shouldn't touch the carrots and nothing should touch. The only thing that's allowed to touch is the gravy can touch everything. 
I'm just a bit weird, but I'm like that in every area, Blair. I'm just, I categorize things because I'm so busy and there's so much to do. If I don't categorize things, I'll lose track and everything will fall apart. And because I'm that kind of a person, everything has its place. Everything has its place. Don't touch my office. It might look like chaos, but I know exactly where everything is. It has a place. <laughs> in my closet, I say, Jenny, this is the dividing line. I said, you're not permitted to come past this line, and I don't want to go past your line. So don't come on this side. This is my stuff. You see that? My stuff. Don't touch my stuff. I know exactly where it is. And then she folds my clothes, and then she puts it in the wrong compartments. And I said, that doesn't go there. Just put all the clothes on top of the dresser. I have places. She says, how could you separate your T-shirts into five categories? But I have. I have five categories for my various T-shirts. When I wear them, why I wear them, what's the most comfortable, what's the least comfortable, what is a category that will soon be thrown out unless they redeem themselves in my mind. And I look at them and I say, redeem yourself, and they just stare at me. So you're in the garbage. I'll give them three months, then they're gone. Don't mess it up, Jennifer. I like things where I like them. Yes, I know what you're thinking, but just guard your heart. Because remember, you have to protect your relationship with me. <laughs> and I'm very, very like that about everything. And so people with my personality find it very hard to just agree. Because that's like, what? I don't understand it. If I can't understand it, and I have no idea where it's coming from, and I don't know, this doesn't, this is very hard for somebody like me. Some people, they're just saying, mm, the phlegmatics of the world. Mm. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Remember that one movie, remember Galaxy Quest, and, they, and they're being transported to the alien ship, and, 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 and you know, what's the, what's the main actor's name? Tim, Tim Allen, and he's so funny. It's a very clean movie, it's a kid movie, but, but he gets there, and they're all freaked out because they've gone through this gel lightning flash to get from Earth to the ship, and this other guy, I don't know his name, this actor, and he's just, and he, you know, and he just gets out of his gel suit, and it's like everybody's like freaking out and shaking, and they've just had this amazing experience, and he just, he goes, <laughs> that was fun, and he's like, what's wrong with you guys? We're an alien ship. Yeah, I know, so? I mean, just, it was no big deal. He's the phlegmatic. He just, it's just like, this is no big deal. He'll just believe anything. And some of you are like that, and I am not. I don't understand. If I don't understand, it's hard for me to believe. Boy, that's dangerous. Because if you're like that, you won't get far with God. Because God d doesn't let you understand everything. He doesn't let you see the origin point of everything. He doesn't, all you need to know is what he said. So for this, this is a hard concept, but I've taken years to renew my mind to this concept. And there's many verses, I'm just giving you one. Just agree with God. Just agree with him. You don't have to understand everything. You just need to agree. He will show you the plan unfolding as he wills, but just agree. Just agree. So let me read you another story that God gave me in July of last year, which really started a lot of things about our future, Jenny. And if you turn, please, to the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. I know you like stories, so maybe you'll like this one. 2 Kings chapter 6, and let's start with verse 24. 2 Kings, remember, agree with God. Now here's the interesting thing, Greg. The week before, he gave me this on July 2nd, 2020. The week Sunday before, he said to me, preach on agree with God. And I preached strong on it. And then he showed me this. It was, I think, a Thursday morning prayer meeting. 
And he showed me this thing, what, what, what we've already talked about. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail because you already know I've already shared it in the vision. But he showed me this thing about Samaria. Yeah. And he said, now that's why I had you preach the week before about agree with me. Because this dude here didn't agree with me and he paid a heavy price. But the ones that did agree with me got the blessing. And I don't need you to understand everything, Craig. I just need you to agree. Yes. Which for me is hard, but I do it by faith. And so look with me, and it came to pass after this that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went and besieged Samaria. Samaria is northern Israel, okay? The Samaritans, remember Jesus? There's like, a, there's like a discrepancy between the southern Jews and the northern Samarians. They don't like each other and all this kind of stuff, even back then. And so this Syrian king comes and he's besieging them. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung. Apparently, people liked eating dung. Um, and a fourth part, 25% was five pieces of silver. Whew. And the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, and there cried a certain woman unto him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, how shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? Meaning, I got nothing, woman. Yeah, if God don't do something, we're all dead. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, Now this is an example of how serious it got. The woman said, the wo And she answered, This woman, she's pointing to another woman, said, Give me your son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. But she has hid her son. And it came to pass when the kings, <laughs> that's not funny, Wayne. You shouldn't laugh at something like that. Wayne is laughing at tragedy. But I must say she's smart. She, she said, you know, she, she, she wasn't going to give up her son. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he, pa and he passed upon the wall and the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. And he said, God do so more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Saphat, still stand on him this day. He's blaming Elisha. Yeah. But it ain't Elisha's fault. They've sinned. They sinned yeah. Elisha's got nothing to do with it. Notice the people always like to blame the preacher. They like to blame the one who speaks for God. But Elisha sat in his own house and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said, before the messenger came to him, he said, by the word of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know that an assassin's on the way. See ye now, Elisha's sitting with the elders in his house, the guy's on the way, and before he gets there, Elisha says to the men sitting at the table, see you now how the son of a murderer, the king, has sent to take away my head. He sent somebody to kill me. He sent an assassin. Isn't it nice that when you know an assassin's coming? Listen, seriously. When danger comes by the gifts of the Spirit, we're supposed to know. They're not supposed to take us unawares if, we're, if, we, know, if we know God. Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? Here's another two words of, here's another word of knowledge. He says, when this guy comes, he's going to kill me. So you hold him out. And his, the king's on the way after him. That's another word of knowledge. How would he know that? And while he yet talked, he's in the middle of the sentence. Behold, the messenger, the assassin, comes down unto him. And he said, behold, this evil is from the Lord. What should, 
Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Now, if you read it in other translations, it explains a little bit more clearly than the King James meaning. The, the, the messenger was there and the king comes after the messenger and it's the king speaking. The King James gets a bit confusing, but if you look at it in other translations, the king is saying outside the door, there is no hope. Why would we even ask God? We're, we're finished. So he's angry at Elisha, but he's also desperate and depressed and at the end of his rope. Do you understand? He's angry and in a fit of rage, he wants to murder him. He wants to kill him. But when he gets there, it's like he crumples. All that rage and anger was aimed at him. And now it's just desperate, just exasperation speaking. And he's basically saying, uh, the Lord has cursed us. This is from God. There's no point praying. We're dead. Do you understand? Can you understand where he's coming from that? Now, can you turn to the next chapter with me? Chapter 7, and Elisha said, he hears this and obviously compassion came in him for that king. God had compassion and mercy on that king. Here's a rotten king doing wrong things. Judgment has come. Then he tries to kill the preacher. And then, and then he's like, just no faith. He's just, what's the point anymore? We're just dead. I mean, there's no faith. He's just desperate. And after all of that, God still said, I'm going to be merciful to you. Let's us know how merciful God can be to us in a better covenant all the more. If he was that merciful in a covenant of a dispensation of judgment, how much more is he merciful to us today? And so Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, which is nothing. And two measures of barley for a shekel, which is nothing. It's like... The what, like, it's like a quarter of a piece of bread was sold for a hundred dollars, and now he's saying 10 loaves will be sold for 10 pennies. That's the equivalent. It's like beyond abundance, it's not just good, it's beyond abundance. Okay, it's Costco on steroids. Okay, all right, it's a it's beyond abundance. Now the Lord, now this is the same, if you studied in other translations, the Lord, this guy, is the same messenger or assassin. The Lord on whose hand the king leaned, so the king's leaning on him, but it's the guy that came to kill him. Answered the man of God. Answered the man of God. You're always going to answer something. Just make it the right answer. Just make it the right answer. The right answer is to agree. Agree with God, you'll be at peace and good will come unto you. Just agree. You don't have to understand it all, just agree. But this guy, the assassin, the messenger, here he's called the Lord, that the king leaned upon, meaning that the king is dependent on him, he's the right-hand man, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, he's prophesying now, Thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat of it. That's judgment. And now you know the story. There's the lepers. We're going to die here anyway. Might as well go over there, see if we can find some food. And as they walk, God causes angel armies to go and they hear the sound of thousands of men and chariots and horses. And they flee. And those four, four lepers come and say, hey. And they're eating and they're burying their goods. And then they say, well, this is not right. They're eating children in there. Let us go tell them. So they go and the king don't believe it and sends out riders to check. Riders come and say they were right. 
Everyone's disappeared. Not only is there all the food you could ask for, but there's all the wealth you could ask for. And so the king says, open the gates and go. And the people are stampeding. They're eating their own children. Can you imagine how hungry they are? They are stampeding to get to this camp of the Syrians. And if you go right down to the very end of that chapter, and it says, uh, let's read here at verse 17. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. As the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria, that the Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? In other words, even if God himself were to intervene, what you said is not possible. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell... And so it fell out unto him, for the people trod him in the gate, and he died. He saw it, he knew it, it was an established fact, and he did not touch it, because he would not agree. Now, I'm telling you, this is, this is, this is when God speaks this clearly, you've got to pay attention, and every now and then repeat it, lest it be lost. He said to me that, that last Sunday in August, sorry, in, in June of last year, Last Sunday of June, preach on agree with me. Then in that prayer meeting, July 2nd, I believe it was a Thursday, he gave me this story and, he, and then he started and I praying out in the Holy Ghost and I began to prophesy. And that divine, dramatic influx of divine joinings that Pastor Nancy prophesied, the dramatic influx, the dramatic influx, they had a dramatic influx of money and of food. Amen. But she said, your dramatic influx will be not just people, but people that God has divinely joined to this ministry. And she called it a dramatic influx of divine joinings. And I began, I wasn't thinking that in that prayer meeting. It wasn't in my mind. I wasn't thinking about it any more than I was thinking about the moon. But those words came up out of my spirit. Don't forget, son, that she prophesied years ago, a dramatic influx of divine joinings, a dramatic influx of divine. And they said, did they not have a dramatic influx? And I said, yes. And he said, and so shall you. Amen. A dramatic influx of souls, of divine joinings. And he said, but what was the condition? They had to agree. He said, that's why you preached last Sunday. Just agree. And you don't understand it, and it's too big for you, but I want you to agree. So I started saying, I agree, Lord. I agree. I don't understand it, but I agree. So when he's talking about our four-part series here, he's saying, I want you to encourage them and remind them to agree. This is our home base. This will always be our home base. I'm not going anywhere for any length of time. This is home. This is always going to be home. Do you understand? But this church here, our home base, there is something that God, and I'm giving very short, very short now, I'm not, I don't have time to get into all these details because we've talked about that at other times. But I'm giving you a very quick overview. God has said, I don't want you to buy this building. The season of ownership, the, the season of Hebron is a season of ownership. And I thought that meant immediately we had to buy this. And he said, no, it's a season. He said, at the beginning of the season, you're going to purchase something. And at the end of the season, you're going to purchase something. And there'll be bookend purchases. One will be small and one will be great. The first is called Oasis and the second is called the Glory Center. He said, toward the end of this seven and a half years, you're going to have raised the money because I'm going to touch the people's hearts. 
And I shared this with the vision. When I did that seven-parter, eight-parter on the vision, I talked to you about what God said on the fast. About, he told Moses, ask the people for an offering to build me a house. He came to me on that fast and that that wasn't me creating that. And so we, we'll talk at the right time about that. But he said, first, take care of the first thing, which is Oasis. So that's why we're doing this, this November 7th. And then next, next, the middle of next year, we have to do the other 220. And so, and then where that's all paid off, we still have another mortgage, which is a 25-year mortgage. We can pay that off anytime we want. But the two burdensome, the second and third mortgages, God said, pay those off quickly because the interest is high. And I don't believe we should be paying high interest. Yeah. But we had to do it to get that property. Now that property's gone up over half a million dollars. Wow. Now there are people calling the real estate agent asking us to sell it to them. Yeah. Now the real estate agent called me a little while ago and said, is there any way you would consider selling your property? I said, why? Because I am getting very large offers for it. And I said, Lord, could this be your plan? That we do this to help an infusion into the glory center? I said, is that what you want? Because I know Lorraine, is that's what she wants because she's exhausted. No, she doesn't want that. She's just, it's a lot of work. It's a tremendous amount of work. And she does it great. You know, she's not, she never complains, never. But I'm just saying, I know how much work it is. And I said, Lord, could this be your plan? And he spoke clearly to me. He said, did I tell you that? I said, I don't know. He said, go back and look what I told you. I told you the beginning would be one that was small and the end would be one that was great. I didn't say the beginning would be one and then three, six months later, you're selling it for the end. He said, I've assigned that as a place to pray. Listen, the piece in the play is just bonus. It's a place to pray. He said, I don't want you to sell that to help the glory center. There's enough money for the glory center separate to that. So I said, okay, Lord, okay, that's fine. I'll do, I'm agreeing. But he said, this glory center is coming. It's coming. It's coming toward the end of the Hebron season. I'm not sure where it is. There, there, there's, a, there's an opportunity to build on land in Milton. But I'm not sure that God wants us to leave Mississauga. I have to pray that out. I don't know if we should build it from the ground up. I don't know if we should take over a building. I don't know. But I will know. I just don't know yet because it's not time to know. My time is to agree. That's all it is. If you don't know the specifics of your life, just agree. If he says, I'm going to give this to you, or you're going to go there, or I'm going to bless this business, and you don't see, just say, yes, sir, yes, sir, it will come to pass. I call for it. I stand on a wall and I say, Father, you promised me. I will remind you day and night until you make good on it. You don't have to understand everything to agree. You just agree. And he wanted me to repeat this message that we are just called to agree at this season. Hallelujah. So the home base, the main thing, the, the big hog, the head honcho, yeah. the big cheese, <laughs> the chief, the boss, the foreman, the big man is the glory center because that's where this home church has to be strong. But then, shockingly to me, over the course of when that anointing came, when that mantle came, when that office, I stepped into it on December the 12th, and the Lord started talking to me. He said, that apostolic office is now to go to the nations. And I said, but Lord, I'm okay not to go to the nations. I really wanted to at the beginning, but you lost your opportunity. The door has closed. I'm now happy to stay in Toronto in the cold because I've died to everything that I want to do anyway. So I'll just be happy here for the rest of my life. And he said, yes, but now that it's died, you've died to it. Now I can resurrect it. Because a lot of things God's wanting to resurrect in your life, but you won't let it go. Now I'm not talking about marriage. 
You don't let her go so that God can resurrect somebody younger or that likes you more. No, no, that's a covenant that you don't touch. But I'm talking about things, houses, you know, plans, businesses, ambitions, futures. Sometimes you gotta die to certain things. Are you with me? Because I could see some of the husbands blur going. They were writing that, they were gonna claim that later. Lord, I let her go, pastor said I could let her go. No, you can't let her go, but you can let go your ambitions, you can let go your dreams, and if you'll do that, God will raise them up. And so he started dealing with me when that fast came and when that anointing came, he said that apostolic work, and I've shared that in the vision a bit with you, I'm not gonna go into it all, but he started saying to me, he said, now there is the work which we've already begun, which is Pastor Happy's work, the South Asian church. We've already started that by the time they came. And he said, but that's gonna keep going strong and it's gonna get stronger and stronger. And it is, the church is growing. I don't know where the visitors are coming from, but they're coming from somewhere because they're growing. The money's going up, the people are going up, the power's going up, and he's settling into that pastoral anointing and finding his rhythm and his groove and his flow and people, certain ones that God is calling, they like it and it will continue. And then he said to me, now there's also the Delaware church which has been going on, but reluctantly they said, take it over. I don't want to take it over. He said, I, Pastor Matthew said, I want you to take it over. It's your church now. And this is back, back in 18. So that started before the mantle came, but it's more or less kind of running itself, so to speak. But now he's preparing to go to Africa. And so Sister Mammy, who is now Pastor Mammy, God's raised her up. We prayed for two years. Lord, who is that person? And finally God revealed that person. And all the people shuffling for that position. And there were a lot of wrong-hearted people shuffling for that position. God didn't pick any of them. He picked the one that didn't shuffle, the one that was pure, and the one that was faithful, and didn't say a word to anybody. Praise God. God told me it will be revealed in 19. 19 came and went, and I didn't know who it was. I said, what's going on, Lord? He said, I didn't tell you it'd be revealed to you. Be careful what you add when God talks to you. I said, but when you say it's going to be revealed, obviously it's about me. Why are you so important? I didn't say anything about you. I just said it would be revealed. Did you consider that I'd reveal it to the pastor? When I met with her, she said, God talked to me in 2019 that I was to take it over. But I've been struggling with it because she's a nurse and she's got children and she's single, a single mother, and she's got a lot on her plate. She said, I've been struggling. But, but then the Lord confirmed her and then he revealed it to me yeah. in 2020. But he revealed it to her just when he said he would. Amen. Praise God. And now she's, so that we got, we got one domestic, one international there. Are you with me? And then of course we've got the Inverness Church, which peekaboo, because they're behind the, 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 the things here. Peekaboo, how are you? Uh, am I allowed to share publicly? And uh, there's not three people going to Inverness, there's four. Stand up, Hannah. We congratulate you. Stand up, Brother Dan. We congratulate you. Amen, amen, amen. So she's pregnant, giving birth next May, and they're going to all four of them go over there. And we've already got the church that started there, and they're watching live stream, and they're, they're meeting on Zoom to pray together. And God is establishing that work. Yes, and it will be a great work amen. in that eastern part of Canada. That's the second domestic one. Praise God. And then, of course, God uh, spoke to me about Reverend Sandy. We had a supernatural experience in our home. The Spirit of God fell on my wife and I, and I always knew she was called because she used to senior pastor. She used to travel. She's done so many things. Her ministry resume is longer than people realize. Worked in shelters. Worked, she, she's just done a lot. 
associate pastoring, senior pastoring, worked for us here as a youth pastor. And I always know there was a call, but I didn't know where it was, whatever. And then one day the Lord said to me, she has a place at the table for, for, for the promise of life works. And I said, okay, Lord. And I, we prayed it out. And, and I didn't tell her too much, but we prayed it out. And then the Lord started dealing with me. And then she and I talked with Pastor Jenny and Reverend Sandy is uh, called to pastor a church. And I believe it's going to be a Portuguese kind of flavored church. I'm not saying it will be in that language, but it's going to be that. And, and I know that there, whatever, I don't know all the details, but whatever happens, whatever may happen in the GTA is not the big picture because God's called her to go overseas. And I believe that she will be relocating at the right time to do a work in most likely Europe. And so, uh, and I believe it will have a Portuguese flavor, but the word and the spirit. So Reverend Sandy, would you, would, can we honor you and could you stand up? We love you and we, we believe in you and you're agreeing with God. I don't know all the details, so don't hold me to anything. I'm just saying every time I pray about it, the Lord, say, the Lord says to me, GTA is not the only thing. GTA is not the only thing. And every time she prays, the Lord is saying the same thing to her. There's something bigger. There's something greater. There's something more. There's something international. But see, we're not ready to know all the details yet. By the way, I didn't have you stand up, Happy. Would you stand up, please? And, and your lovely wife, Guggen, since you co-pastored that church together. Amen. Amen. And don't worry about the wrong doctrine. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it all. It's all going to be fine. And Pastor Matthew and, and Mammy, we, we, well, Mammy, we talked about Mammy. You're not there, but you stand up in your living room, wherever you are, and we love you and we bless you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he said to me, I'm not, the son is on the way. The son, S-O-N, because you can't do things without spiritual sons. He said, the son is on the way, but it's not revealed yet, but there will be a work in the northern parts of Canada with the native indigenous peoples, with the First Nation peoples. And then God is giving us favor with Pastor Bill Prankard, who has contacts in every single uh, uh, reserve in the entire nation. And, 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 and we are, God's giving us favor with him and he's going to help organize things for us. I don't know who that son is, but a son is coming Amen. to go up and pastor a work there. And I believe that will grow over time and it will be in many different areas. So that is another, do you see the domestic works here? I'm calling yours domestic because we don't know where you're going in the future. So we have Pastor Happy and we have Pastor Dan and we have Pastor, Pastor San, Sandy, at least, you know, what we know of right now. And then we have Northern Canada. So there's four that God is doing at least at this time in our soil. And then there's, of course, the Delaware Church, which is one of the international. And then we I, the Lord put, started putting on my heart uh, that girl, Deanne. That girl, Deanne. I said, Lord, don't talk to me about her. There's something, there's something crazy about her. I love her too much. And don't, don't be telling me nothing because she ain't leaving. I, I don't want her to leave. I, I want her real close. No, there's something very special about her. And he said, she has a place at the table. And he said, and I've called her to the Caribbean. To the Caribbean? Then I started getting selfish, thinking, well, maybe, maybe I could have a summer home there or something. I don't know. I don't know. And so... <laughs> And so uh, Reverend Deanne and Junior are preparing and there's a lot of details we don't know and there's a lot of funds that we need and there's a lot of specifics that have not were ironed out yet. But the Caribbean is on their heart and she's been tra traveling and preaching for years. She has a ministry resume that most people don't know about. She's not a novice and they're, we're going to relocate their whole family. At this point, we believe it's Dominica in the Caribbean on that ring of fire just north of Trinidad and Tobago by the just north of the border of South America. If you look at the map, you know, you'll see all these islands kind of go on a ring and Dominica is the second or third one up. And so would you stand so we can honor you, uh, Reverend Deanne and Junior? We love you. 
and their beautiful children. And God, that's the second international. Delaware is the first, that's the second. And then, of course, Pastor Matthew is not here today, but him and Pastor Precious, I'm from Africa. I never thought God would let me go back to Africa because I had to die to that. But I remember in 2014, I turned out, you know, where the, uh, where, you know, this, the, right now it's some other restaurant. I don't know. It used to be a Wendy's yeah. here. Yeah. But you come, you know, like by the Shell Station, that little restaurant on that parking lot. Uh, I don't know what it is now. But, but as, as I was coming, I was pulling out onto the, going north on Highway 10. And I was just, there was a long lineup to turn left, like there always is. Yeah. And I was sitting in that lineup, turning left on Derry Road, going north on Highway 10. And I was just sitting. I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just, I don't know what I was doing. And I heard a voice come to me. A voice. It seemed audible to me. I don't know if it was because nobody else was in the car. But I heard this voice. I'm sending you back to Africa. And I said, back to Africa? I know it couldn't be ministry because you've told me I'm not allowed to do ministry in Africa. So maybe my brother-in-law, who's much older than my sister, is going to die because he's already in his 80s. I figured, you know, maybe he's going to die. And I'm going to have to go do the funeral. And that's why I'm going back to Africa. He didn't answer me, but there was a check in my spirit. It's not about your brother-in-law, uh, which he's still alive. <laughs> uh, it's not about your brother-in-law. It's about ministry. I said, Lord, you're resurrecting what I died to? And he said, yes, begin to pray. That was 14. Pastor Matthew came and they started the church. Pastor Precious said, I'll never go back to Liberia. This is too good of a life for me here compared to the poverty over there. Yeah. And she would not be in agreement for a long time. And in 14, the same time that God said that to me, he said to Matthew, who I didn't know, start to pray that I'll turn your wife's heart. And start to pray that you'll meet your spiritual father who will connect you so you can go back. And he prayed for four years, and I prayed for four years. And then, you know the story, supernaturally, God led him and said, your, your father is in Canada. And he, and he didn't know anything about Canada, didn't know even know the names of cities. And he just found a hotel, and the Lord said, go to that hotel, which is this Monte Carlo. And then he got to the Monte Carlo, he said, where is he? And he said, go walking, and I'll show you. And he walked around until God said, turn left, turn right, turn left. He's in that building. Wow. It was supernatural. And he come and I wasn't. I was in Germany. But the ladies were having a practice here and he's a pretty big guy and he scared them and they wouldn't open. They rolled down the window. Who are you? I want to see the pastor. Go away. <laughs> he knocked on the door. Who are you? They cracked it. I want to see the pastor. He's not here. Go away. <laughs> because he was intimidating. He's a big guy. And then he, <laughs> so he came and met Errol on Sunday and Errol talked and then they came back and I was in California. Yeah. Pastor Precious came. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, then, and then months later, months later in 2018, that was 2017, November, but in 2018, about March, we were at the Osmonds. Where are you, Osmonds? Yeah. We're at the Osmonds for a leadership meeting, I remember, and they, show, and they came. Yes. God said, invite them. I said, I don't even know who he is. I'm not inviting him. He's not a leader. I don't even know who he is. He's a weirdo. He's writing me all these emails and I ignore them. He said, you ask him to come to that meeting. There's something I have planned. And he came and he came to their home for the first time in Canada. And God started and he told me the story. And my mouth fell open and, and God started to put pieces together. And he's been in training and he's still in training. And he's a faithful son, but he's going back to Liberia to do a national work, to plant churches and to see souls saved. And it's going to be glorious. Yeah. Hallelujah. So Africa is a big part of our future. And, and God allowed that. I didn't, I didn't push for that. He allowed that. Now remember, we are simply agreeing with your church. Amen. I'm agreeing that that's the plan. Yes. Uh, I'm agreeing, brother. 
I don't understand all the details, but I'm agreeing that this will come to pass. I'm agreeing that this will come to pass. I'm agreeing for the indigenous peoples. I'm agreeing with that son that's coming. I'm agreeing with Pastor the plan for Pastor Mammy. And I'm agreeing with the plan for, for Deanna Jr. And I'm agreeing with the plan for Pastor Matthew. Praise God. Hallelujah. We just have to agree. I'm agreeing with the glory center. I don't understand how it's all going to happen, but it's sure going to be an adventure. Because I was sitting across from Randy Greer, who's coming in November now, and he was sitting across, and his eyes, there's a certain look that prophets have, which I don't know how to explain to you unless you see it, but like a mist covered his eyes physically. A mist looked like a mist came over his eyes. And I looked at him and I thought, what is that? What is in his eyes? Physically, there was something over his eyes. I said, what is that? And he was looking out past me out the window, and, and, and he started to, and he said, I see it. I see it. And then I realized it was a holy thing, and I went quiet. And he was looking past me out the window, but he was looking into the realm of the spirit. He was having the gift of the discerning of spirits was an operation. He was seeing into the spiritual world. And he said, I see, looks like clouds, looks like thunder and lightning. It looks like a storm and it's churning and it's growing, but it was a glory storm. It wasn't a bad storm. And he said, I see it on the horizon. I see it. Oh, I see it was coming into your church. I see it's coming into your church. And he's prophesying here. There's people sitting around. And he started to say, and it shall be known as the glory center. And it shall be known as the glory center. For the storm of his glory will fill that building. I mean, it was a holy thing. It was a holy thing. So I just agree. I don't know how it's going to happen. Just agree with me. You're fighting to stay connected. You're picking things up in the spirit and listening to the preaching and you're calling. But listen, as you're standing on the wall calling, agree. You don't have to understand it. Just say, it will come to pass. Yes. Lord, I call for it. it will, Pastor Happy's work will come to fruition. Pastor Dan's work will come to fruition. Sandy's work will come. The North will come. Deanne's work will come. Mammy's work will come. Matthew's work will come. It will come to fruition. I agree with it, Father. The glory center where I will put my feet, because you may not go to these countries. Some of you will, some of you won't. But the glory center, you'll all put your feet in it. Yes. The glory center will come. The building will come. The money will come. The HVAC units will come. The carpet will come. Just to put carpet, chairs, and a sound system is a million dollars. We've already done our research. A million dollars just to do the carpet, the chairs, and the sound system for a building, for the sanctuary, the size that we're expecting. Just to do the HVAC units is half a million dollars, minimum. But we're not even talking about classrooms or anything like that. But it will all come. I'm just agreeing that it will come. I need you to agree with me. Whatever God's told you for your life, just agree. You don't have to understand it. Just say, Father, I agree with you. I won't be like that one that says, even if God does something, it's impossible. No, because he didn't see it because he answered wrong. I answer right. I say it will come to pass. You've told me my business will grow. You've told me you're going to do this. You told me I'm going to have a baby, but I can't have a baby. It will come to pass, I agree. You told me you're going to give me a husband, but I don't know where they are. It will come to pass. You told me my kids are going to get saved. It will come to pass, I agree. You told me that the sickness is going to wither away and leave my body. I agree it will come to pass. Whatever it is, agree. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Simple message. I don't have three hymns, three haws, three points, three jokes. I just have one, one word. I, I just heard him say, just preach on we agree. And talk about the works and talk about the glory center because that's what you're agreeing with, son. 
let them know clearly what the vision is. I've already told you over weeks, but sometimes it has to be summarized and repeated. But now as I end the sermon, I want to go into one work that's very important, which is the Filipino work. I don't know no Filipinos more than I know anyone on the moon. All I know about the Philippines is they make good nurses. That's about it. I don't know much more about them other than the Ramoses are. They make good prayers and good nurses. That's about it. They make good food too. But that's about it. They're nice, sweet people. We have some in our church. I have not thought about the Philippines any more than I've thought about Nigeria. It's not even on my radar. And I want to just take you through it just a couple because I'm putting an emphasis on the Philippines because the Spirit of God said, I want you to put an emphasis on the Philippines. Now, the rest of these flag ministers, what we call flag ministers, these ministers that I've talked about today, I don't want anybody to feel in any way uh, overshadowed because I'm not doing this based on me. I'm doing this based on God. And every work has its value and its importance. And some will be larger works than others, but all are important and all will, will bring this message of the Word and Spirit to those respective nations. Amen. Hallelujah. But I just want to tell you because there's something different about the Philippines and there's something different. I would have made a bet. I don't bet, but if I had to bet, I would have bet a million dollars that the, the, the biggest work was Africa. And it is going to be a very large work, a national work under Pastor Matthew. But God has put a spotlight on the Philippines. And I want to tell you a little bit of a story into it, and then we'll close in about 15 minutes. Is that okay? Can you hold with me? Just crack your Red Bull now or your four-hour energy. Now is a good time to take it. Can you just hold with me? Because I will be done on time. But last summer, I was preaching. I don't remember the date. But I was preaching, and I heard these words come out of my spirit. Uh, There's something I have for you in the Philippines. Some of you were in that service. I don't know if you were or not, but, but I remember saying it. And I remember catching myself and saying, why did I say that? And then I went home and I said, Jenny, why did I say that? I don't know anything about the Philippines. And I don't even want to go to the Philippines. And then I thought, ah, I know. Somebody's going to invite me. And I'll go and preach like I do in some countries and I'll never go back. But I'll just go and preach whoever. So somebody's going to invite me. I didn't think anything of it. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking praying or nothing. And then in March, actually on March 7th, of this year, the Lord started to show me something about the Philippines, and he said these words to me. He said, I talked to you last summer that I had something for you in the Philippines, and he said, and there is a work to be established there, meaning not just in and out preaching. There's a work to be established there, and then he specified the popes, Jamie and Miracle Pope, and he said, and they are the first ones to have a place. Now, he didn't say the only ones. He said the first ones. Then uh, on Mar- Monday, March the 8th, I had a very, that's a very special day for me. That was the day after he said that. It so freaked me out. I was praying most of the day about what is the, you talking about, this Philippine thing. I got Africa. I got all these other places. I don't have time for anything else. So I'm praying about what, why did you say there's a work to be established there? And he spoke to me. Now, I was very hesitant to share this. And I still am. And in fact, this morning when I was praying, I said, Lord, I don't think I'm going to share it. Because you haven't given me a command to. And I don't want to get in trouble. And I don't want to say anything about anyone else. And people will accuse me falsely. I know they will. Maybe not in this church, but people that may get wind of it will. And the Lord dealt with me. And he said to me, I want you to share it and I'll tell you why. 
So for sake of time, I'm not going to have you read it, but it's in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just before the nine gifts of the Spirit are mentioned. It says, for there are diversities of manifestations, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God. When I was in Fredonia, the Lord spoke to me through Pastor Joel Siegel in his teaching. And I see to explain this verse in a way I've never heard anybody explain it. I've never seen it. And he said, you know, diversities mean same but different. You know, there's different gifts, but they're the same, but they're different. And the Holy Ghost determines right. the gifts and as they fall on different people. Right. He's the one that does the, manif- the diversity of manifestations. Right. And he said, now there's this the word administrations. It really means offices or calls. There's a ministry of helps, which is a calling. And then there's officer of prophet, for example, which is a calling. But everybody has calls in the ministry. Right. People say, I'm called to be a doctor. Not, not scripturally, you're not. Because you, that's, a, that's a job. But, but scripturally, there are callings for fivefold and then to help the body of Christ, the right. kingdom. And, th- and that's serving in the body and doing different giftings. Yes. Now that word Jesus is over the diversities of, oper- of uh, administrations really means Jesus. It, Paul's giving a, a show. He's showing here from, from the micro into the macro. The Holy Ghost decides the gifts that he puts on different people, but Jesus decides the offices that he puts on different people. But now this third category, there are diversities of operations, but the same God. That's the Father. Now that's a very interesting word. That word operations is the Greek word energeo, which is where we get the word energy. And it means, it means in the Greek, I've studied in the lexicon, it means there are differences of energies or flows. There are differences of flows with God. And Pastor Joe said something so powerful and it so helped me. He said, you know, there's some denominations that are against the other. And he said, we don't really like that group because they don't emphasize faith enough or they don't emphasize this enough or they don't emphasize that enough. And we're not making excuses that people shouldn't be full of the word. And that we, we all need to have the word and have certain basic doctrines. So we're not, we're not trying to compromise that. But he said, there are different flows and the Father authors the different flows in the body of Christ. We are all the same, but we are somewhat different. Are you with me? That'll really help you if you meditate on it. So the church down the street, now if they're in false doctrine on something, that's different. If they're saying there is no Holy Ghost, that's different. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying within the general context of doctrine... There are some churches and, 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 and ministries and, and organizations that are going to have a certain flow. And then there are others that are going to have a different flow. And everyone thinks their flow is the only one and the best one. And that's why there's divisions in the body of Christ. But God is the author of the diversities, same but different, of different flows. And so he said to me this morning in prayer, you remember I taught you that? I said, yes, Lord. He said, now you're not disparaging anybody then, son, by talking about the difference of flows. Because you are for the other flow, it's just not yours. We're not against anybody. We're not mocking anybody. We're not saying anybody's less than us. We're just saying that's a flow and God authored it. But we have another kind of flow. And guess what? God authored it. And on Monday, March the 8th, so I'm going to tell you, I'm hesitant, but I'm going to tell you because he said, I want you to say it. You need to put something on record. God is funny about putting things on record. 
With Dr. Dufresne, he said, I talked to him in the back room. He said, if you don't say it, it won't come to pass. You must say certain things publicly. And I fought him all morning. Dog, don't make me say it. I don't want to say it. He said, you say it because you're not disparaging anybody. You are talking about different flows. That God the Father authored different flows. But on Monday, March the 8th, the Lord said to me, I, I'm, you, can I, I heard your words. And I stopped. I said, what words? What do you mean? When you sat at the table in South Korea, I heard your words. I mean, it was a holy thing. It was a, a, almost a scary thing. God's not scary, but sometimes there can be such a holy reverence for him that you almost feel afraid. And I knew what he was talking about because I didn't know why we went on that trip. I didn't really enjoy the conference that much. I mean, it was nice to see young Cho, and it was an honor to sit close to him. And, you know, he just passed away last week. Yeah. And he's home with Jesus now. What a, what a reward he has. But Pastor Reverend Richard Roberts asked me to go with him and my wife. And so we went. And because he's on the board, we had VIP access to everything. We just kind of stayed with him. And he went through everything. And we just followed like little puppy dogs. And so we're sitting with him. And Youngie chose just over there. And we got every major pastor, not every, but a lot on the whole planet. So at our table, we've got the church with the largest work in the Philippines, the largest work in Ghana, the largest work in India. I mean, that guy's got 1.3 million people in his church in India. And, and he's standing there looking at Pastor Dr. Roberts, and I'm standing there. I don't say a word. I'm just listening. <laughs> and he says, I heard you were in India. Why didn't you come preach at my church? You told me that you'd come preach at my church. And Richard looked at him and said, because God didn't tell me to come preach at your church. I was on an assignment, and you ain't it. And we walked, and he was nice, I and mean, he, he was honorable, but he was, he was forceful with the man. And I said, Dr. Roberts, he's got a million thoroughborn three people. Are you sure you shouldn't go to his church? <laughs> and he says, that's the problem with you young ministers. He said, you look at numbers. He said, I look at assignment. Now that's maturity talking. That's maturity talking. He don't go because some big wig invites him. He goes because God tells him to go. And he will go if God tells him, but he won't go just because it's an honor to go. That's the difference. So I don't know why I was there other than hobnobbing with all these famous people and, you know, nice and everything. That's fine. Anyway, then I, now I know why I was there. I was there for one reason. For that whole week, I was there for one reason and one reason only. And I got upset because the prices there are so ridiculous. A can of Diet Coke costs seven U.S. dollars. And I was angry. Because I drink, I like to drink some Diet Coke, and I couldn't, I was running out of money. <laughs> that ain't right. It's a dollar fifteen or whatever it is. Home seven U.S. dollars. I was angry. I was there. I didn't necessarily enjoy anything there. I didn't necessarily learn too much there. I just mm, get me home, Jesus. But now I know. I learned on March eighth why I went on that trip. I learned because God positioned me supernaturally to sit beside David Sumrall. And David Sumrall sat beside me with his lovely wife, Beverly, and I started to talk to them about Dad Sumrall and about the Philippines. And they commenced to tell me what they've done. They have a church of 30,000 people. Okay, Dad Sumrall at his height had about a thousand, it was a 10,000, but it went down, averaged out after he had left probably around three or four, and then it dropped to one before he took it over. When he took it over, it was 1,000 people. He's built it to 30,000 people. So that man understands certain things about ministry. And I don't ever 
I don't have a right to say anything about anybody. But as I'm listening to him talk about their vision, about what they believe, about different things, I'm, I was struck by the fact that it was very, very different to his uncle, Dr. Lester Sumrall, in terms of their flow. Do you understand? They have a different kind of flow. It's very leadership oriented, probably a bit more secret sensitive oriented, different things. That's okay. But the God has really blessed that work and God has caused that work to grow. But because I'm so loyal to Dr. Sumrall, who was Dad Dufresne's spiritual father, and I, and, and, and I'm, I, I, I devour his material, and, and he was always, he's always been like there's a, been a divine connection there. It's more than a mental connection. I, my heart broke at that table because in, inside, inside, I would never say it outside, but inside, I said, Lord, what a great man, what a great work, and he's doing great things, and I'm not against that. But Dr. Sumrall deserves his flow in that nation. And the people deserve his flow in that nation because he was the founder. And this is a different flow, and I respect that flow for what it is, and it's been blessed. But what about this flow? There's a flow that he had that has been lost. And then I tell you, I don't know how to express it to you, Sarah, but in my heart, my heart was broken. I was crying out of my heart those words while I was sitting there. And I couldn't express it verbally and I couldn't show anybody because you have to be on, you know. But I I went back to the hotel room and I I just, I cried before the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't don't even know anything about the Philippines. I don't want to know anything about the Philippines necessarily, but but Dr. Sumrall paid a price for that flow in that nation. And that should be something that continues. God didn't speak to me. There was no presence of God. There was no bearing of witness. There was nothing. It was just like I was talking to a ceiling. And that was it. But Monday, March the 8th this year, I heard these words. I heard your words. What words? At the table. I heard your words in South Korea. I stopped in my tracks. I said, what? This is a 19. This is 2021. And he said, because of your honor for Dr. Sumrall, a measure, keep track of that. He didn't say all, he said a measure. A measure could mean a lot of different things. A measure of the anointing and the assignment on his life for that nation is coming upon you today. And the anointing of God fell on me and I just began to weep and cry and wait before God and, and it's been a journey ever since. And I believe that there's something special about that in my life because of the connection with Dr. Sumrall and Dr. Dufresne's connection with Dr. Sumrall. And then, of course, I call, he said, call the Ramoses. And I called them that next Saturday. And he said these words to me. He said, uh, because of their seed that they sowed by praying for your Canadian ministry, which they did before they even met us. I don't have time to tell you all the details, but he said, now a harvest comes through you for their nation. He said, because I have not sent them there, but I'm sending you there. And I called and I told Pastor Ruby and Noel that, and they just started to cry. And they said, you know, we've been praying for you before we even met you. They saw fire jumping out of Toronto and they didn't know what it meant. And then they met us that same year, Dr. Dufresne, and we've been very close with them ever since. And the Lord said, because they've sowed seed for your nation. I will now bring a harvest for their nation through you, for I have not called them there. So I said, would you come with me to pray? We need to pray. And he said, God's never permitted me since 1991. That's when I got called to the ministry. This is 30 years. 
He said, since 1991, when I came to, to, to U.S. as a U.S. Navy sailor to San Diego Bay, he said, God's never let me step foot on that soil ever. He said, I've asked, I've begged, I've pleaded. God says, no, because he doesn't want me to get an appetite to move back there and minister because he knows that the people there would latch on to me. Ruby's been back once about three years ago to visit family. She's never been back since. They've never preached there. He's never foot, set foot on the soil. So when I said to him, would you come? He says, well, I don't, I'll pray, but I don't, God won't let me. So they called me back and they said, Pastor Craig, for the first time in 30 years, God spoke to my husband and said, go with Pastor Craig. Pray and preach, for I have not called you, but I have called him to that nation. So he's going for the first time in 30 years. It'll be 31 years by the time we go next year. And we're going to get locked away fasting and praying in a hotel. And then we're going to have a healing crusade. And he's going to preach with me. And Ruby's going to preach. And Pastor Jenny's going to preach. And we're going to, uh, it's, it's just, I don't know exactly everything. But I'm telling you, there's, this, there's something. God's hand is vibrating on this. I don't know how to explain it to you. But it is a holy, holy thing. Praise God. And then we had a prayer meeting at his house a little bit later on. And he's, he is used in that, that operation of the discerning of spirits where he sees angels. I don't, I'm not used that way very often. And, he, and angels came in the room beside us. And they told him, they said, we are Dr. Sumrall's angels. And we work in the Philippines. Have Pastor Craig send us forth. And he said to me, Dr. Sumrall's angels are here. That the work in the Philippines, send them forth. And I said, I send you go in Jesus' name and prepare the way for us to come. These are holy things. You don't make these things up. You don't make these things up. And then I said, Lord, it was so big to me when I went to Fredonia a few weeks ago. I said, a month ago, I said, Lord, I, know, I don't want to make you upset, Father, but I can't, I can't embark on something this large. I got to know. I know, but I, this is too lofty for me. This is little old me. I'm nobody. I need you to speak to me through Pastor Nancy. And I very rarely do that because God doesn't like that. I said, but in this case, would you please give me an exception? Speak through her to me. And she didn't prophesy and say Philippines, but she did say, she said something in her sermon. When she did, I heard the Lord say, I'm speaking to you through her. I'm answering what you asked. Now listen. And she started talking about the castle. And then she made a statement and she said, God told me, what you honor, you will participate in. Amen. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, I told you, son, for your honor for him, you will participate in his ministry in that nation. So he confirmed it through her. And then we went back to Pastor Noel's house later and had another prayer meeting, me and my wife and him and Ruby. And then he started talking and he started saying something, which he said, I don't know what this word means. And, and I said, what? He says, but I don't know what it means. I said, what? He said, I keep hearing the Holy Ghost say pinnacle, pinnacle. What is a pinnacle? I don't know what a pinnacle is. Because it's not his first language, it's not English. And I said, pinnacle is the top of a building. It's the chiefest part. It's the highest part. And he said, well, now the Lord has to confirm this, but he said, and he started prophesying to me. And he started saying, even though God has not called me there, but he's called you there. But that, the work in that nation will be the pinnacle of your ministry in terms of the volume of souls. Yeah. Are you listening? I'm almost yes. done. Yes. I'm almost done. There's other stuff I could share, but I've run out of time. But I need to tell you this. Then I was preaching a little while ago and I heard the Holy Ghost say, 40 years. I said, 40 years? 40 years is a generation, son. I said, yes. He said, it's been 40 years. From what? It's been 40 years from that flow of Dr. Sumrall in the Philippines. 40 years. So I started researching. What does that mean? 40 years? He said, now it's time for his flow. I'm not against the other flow. The other flow is precious to God. 
But he said, now it's time for that flow to come back. So I researched it. Guess what? This freaked me out, man. Dr. Sumrall left 63, 64. He left and his family left. So basically 1964, he left that nation. And 40 years from then was when Dr. Dufresne prophesied over me about the ants coming. And the Lord said to me, he said, the ants don't just represent the glory center, son. He said, the ants represent the Filipinos. He said, they're coming. They're coming by the thousands. They don't know it yet. Neither do you, but they're coming. I said, my God, Lord. And then, and then he said, now look at the history of that church, Cathedral of Praise in Manila, that he started, that he pastored. And then when he left for a couple years, 64 into 65, multiple little pastors came to temporarily take it. And then Pastor Morocco came. And he took it for 15 years from 65 to 80. And in 1980, David Sumrall came and he took that church. And it took him two years more or less to get it where he needed to wanted it. And then in 1982, things started taking off. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, 40 years from 1980, when he took the reins, is 2020 when the mantle came. And he said, in 1982, when it took off, that, that flow that God loves, that flow took off in 1982. And he said, in 2022, you're going to go and plant that flag in the spirit and that new flow is going to start to operate. I couldn't make that up. I couldn't make that up. But he showed me the two categories of the 40-year generations from Dr. Sumrall until when God spoke to me and from when that other flow started until when we're going to set foot on that soil. And there's other stuff I could share, which I won't get into. But I'm just telling you, this is not something I'm making up. I spend a lot of time praying and thinking about things and meditating and getting answers from God and getting confirmation after confirmation after confirmation after confirmation before I ever say anything publicly because I don't say things like this lightly. But I need you to pray for all of these works. And I need you to specifically pray for the Philippines because God is, we're, something supernatural is going to happen in that nation. And that flow that Dr. Summerall had is going to be revisited in that land. Hallelujah. And I'll end it off by saying this. Last week, this is very fresh, I was praying and the Lord said to me, just out of the blue, he said, you think the only thing with Dr. Sumrall is the preaching of the word and the casting out of devils and the healing the sick. I said, of course, that's the only thing with Dr. Sumrall. What else is there? Is sparkling personality? What else is there? And he spoke to me. He said he had an assignment to feed people. Yeah, because I've always kind of not really liked that part of his ministry. Like I don't, it's not important to me. Who cares? Just preach. Who about the food? Just preach. And I said, yes. And he said, when I said you're picking up a measure of the anointing and the assignment in his life, it includes feeding people. Feeding people? I don't want to feed people. I'm always ornery. And then all of a sudden, God said to me, have a meeting with one of your congregation members who is the citizen of the year in Milton. Miss Milani, stand up. Where are you, Miss Milani? We honor you. No, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. We honor you and we love you. We have, we have celebrity in our, in our church here, citizen of the year. And I said, Milani, come. God told me to have a meeting with you, but I don't know what about. And she starts talking to me about this feeding program that she has. But the thing that really got me is that she is connected with this man who is basically a genius 
who has created this thing called a tractor. It's like a tractor trailer, but they build kitchens in it and it goes on ships and it can be dispersed anywhere on the globe for emergency food relief. And when those apartments fell in Florida, Chef Jager, who who is a a bigwig, he has 20 of these and they shipped some of them down to Florida to feed people during that crisis. Anytime there's a crisis, they ship these portable kitchens. And as she was telling me this, I heard the Holy Ghost say, you need to get one. I said, I do? He said, you need to get one for the Philippines. You need to get one for the Northern Ontario. You need to get one for Oasis. You need to get one for, for Africa, Liberia. I want you to fill people's bellies. And then I want you to fill their hearts. That's how he said it. Fill their stomachs and then fill their hearts for that is part of the assignment that Dr. Sumrall had. If you want the assignment, son, you can't just take half. You got to take it all. And this man has created an artificial intelligence, an AI pod. This is astonishing. In In another shipping container, that one shipping container with his technology can grow three and a half acres of crops in one shipping container. And then they have hydropods to water everything. So you can put a hydropod container, an AI growing container, and a kitchen container, and you can literally anywhere on the planet grow crops, water them, cook the food, and feed people all from three shipping containers. And so I just shook my head. I said, I, I, I don't know what to say, Lord. And he said to me, he said, the people there are hungry. He said, God is so moved with people's needs, not just their spiritual condition, but their needs. Did you notice that Jesus fed people? And then he preached to them. And Milani's logo on her business is the five loaves and two fishes. Supernatural food multiplication. So as I close, I just, I want to tell you, Father... We agree with the plan for the Philippines. We honor the flow of Dr. David Sumrall. We honor the other churches there. You have raised them up. They are your will. They are doing great works. But Father, there's something in my DNA heritage spiritually with Dr. Sumrall and that flow you desire to come back to that land and it's been 40 years. And so Father, I thank you that you raised this work up for your glory, not for mine or anyone else's that you raise these other works with these wonderful pastors, that your will will be done. We agree with the plan. We agree with the plan for the Philippines, like we agree with the other works that I've already said. We thank you that the wisdom of God would be on us, that favor would be upon us as we go and do these different things. I bless you, Father, and I thank you. In Jesus' name.